Welcome to Musing the Mysteries, a podcast by Barney Wiggett. What you'll find here are some recent musings about the God of the Bible and living in such a way as to bring Him pleasure. Happy musing. Okay, so what, uh, what gives you pleasure? What gives you pleasure? Uh, you know, this, the word pleasure is 34 times in the Bible. And we're going to talk about pleasure today. So uh, why don't you just mention one thing at your table that gives you pleasure? Go ahead. One thing that gives you pleasure. I bet you not very many sinful pleasures will be mentioned right now, but just, you know, a pleasure. Soren uh, Kierkegaard said, most men pursue pleasure with, breath, with such breathless haste they hurry past it. And today, we're going to talk about sinful pleasure, spiritual pleasure, and simple pleasure. Sinful pleasure, spiritual pleasure, and simple pleasure. Not to say that those are the only categories. There's, I'm not saying that there is no amoral uh, quality to pleasure at times. I'm just talking about these three in particular. And so, sinful pleasure, spiritual pleasure, and... Simple pleasure. When we're talking about uh, sinful pleasures, how do we respond? How should we respond as followers of Jesus? How do we respond to sinful pleasures? We resist them. Yes, Rob. Okay, absolutely. So it both helps us. (laughs) If we're helping somebody, we're less apt to be sinning while we're helping them. And then we're helping them who has fallen into sin to to be a, a brother or sister to them. So we're resisting sinful pleasures. And uh, let's talk a little bit about that. On the inside of your bulletin, there's an outline. You might want to follow along with the passages. Um, There's a bunch of them. Proverbs 10.23 says, A fool finds pleasure in evil conduct, but a man of understanding delights in wisdom. Finds pleasure in evil conduct. So you can find pleasure in some of the wrong places. Ecclesiastes written by whom? Solomon. And Solomon uh, was a very poor man with a very small role. No, he was the king and the richest guy as far as anybody could see. And uh, he said, I denied myself nothing my eyes desired. I refused my heart no pleasure. My heart took delight in all my work, and this was the reward of my labor. Yet, when I surveyed all that my hands had done and what I had toiled to achieve, everything was meaningless, chasing after the wind. Nothing was gained under the sun. He did an experiment. He said, okay, here's the deal. I'm rich. I can get anything I want. I can do anything I want. I can tell anybody to do anything I want. So I'm going to make an experiment and see if it makes me happy. And so he experimented. And he got 700 wives and 300 concubines and a boatload of gold and silver and a bunch of power and did a bunch of stuff. He experimented. And at the end of the experiment, the results were chasing after the wind, meaningless. And the way that he ends his book is great. Let's read these uh, verses together. Uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 12, the, the last uh, verses of the book. You ready? 
Now all has been heard. Here is the conclusion of the matter. Read it with us. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing, whether it is good or evil. So he he came to the conclusion of his experiment, and he said, you know what? It's chasing after the wind. It's meaningless. The thing we got to do is obey God. It all boils down. It's kind of simple. It's rather simple. Just obey God. Just obey God. That's the simple, the simple way to live. Not easy, but simple. Simple. Uh, Paul said it in Timothy, but the widow who lives for pleasure is dead even while she's alive. Somebody that lives for pleasure. What do we call that uh, philosophical life uh, choice? Hedonism. Hedonism is living for pleasure. And Paul also said, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. So you can, you, you, you're, you're going to be a lover of something and of, or of someone. And in this case, he says, there's a, a diametric opposite of loving God is being a lover of pleasure. And then he, uh, Peter says, their idea, these particular group of people, their idea of pleasure, you can have your own idea of pleasure. You might have a different idea than somebody else, and it might have a moral quality to it. Maybe it does, it, it does or doesn't, but in this case, it does, because he said their idea of pleasure is to carouse in broad daylight. There are blots and blemishes reveling in their pleasures while they feast with you, meaning they're fellowshipping with you, but then living uh, sinfully and disobediently to God. And their idea of pleasure is something other than what God's idea was. And then Paul goes to, says to Titus, Uh, At one time, we too were foolish, disobedient, deceived, and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. You can be enslaved by these things. It was a were. He's talking to Titus, Christian leader. He says, we were, because we no longer are for following Jesus, enslaved, deceived, disobedient, and foolish. And then, uh, who is he speaking of in Hebrews 11.25? Who is uh, the author talking about? Yeah, Moses. He says, uh, he, Moses, chose to be mistreated with the people of God rather than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a short time. Okay, so you're, you're making a decision between two things, right? You're weighing the choice. You've got your list of pros and cons. To enjoy the pleasures of sin would be his going with the flow and staying in Egypt just along with everybody else. Or he can be mistreated along with the people of God who are going to be leaving Egypt. So which do you, which do you choose? And he's... Uh, he's recommending uh, the Moses choice to uh, be mistreated along with the people of God. And he says the pleasures of sin for a short time. There's a certain pleasure in sin, certainly, or it wouldn't have any appeal. And then there is for a short time because it's uh, like uh, doesn't last. Uh, but there's an eternity involved in the other choice. So choosing between mistreatment and pleasure, you know. I'll take mistreatment for 50. I mean, it's, it's a matter of choosing between Uh, following God and having some persecution. Jesus said it uh, in the Sermon on the Mount. We're reading, by the way, are you reading with us in Matthew? We're reading the book of Matthew, and uh, we're in about chapter, I don't know, 11 now uh, on Monday. And please read with us. And in the Sermon on the Mount, what did he say? Why why did I bring that? Oh, yes, he said, uh, blessed are you if you're persecuted for righteousness' sake. And uh, rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. So mistreatment. Pleasure of sin. 
And then Peter said, Dear friends, I urge you as aliens and strangers in the world to abstain from sinful desires. So there are desires that are sinful. This concept, this notion that, well, all desires are amoral. It's just what you do with it. No, that's not what the Bible says. That's not what Peter said. He said we need to abstain from sinful desires. And notice what they do. What do they do? Why should we abstain from them? What do they do to you? They war against your soul. Now, when you go to war, you bring like a pop gun uh, with uh, these little cork things and you... And, you know, hit them in the head and say, well, you're dead now. No, when you go to war, you go to kill people. And that's what sinful desires and their, their originator, Satan, wants to do, is to steal, kill, and destroy. Sinful desires war against your soul. They're trying to damage our soul. And so it's important for us not to, uh, to give in to their, uh, to their lure. So, now we're not just talking about the bad list uh, if there, there is kind of a bad list, but it's the manufacturer's bad list because he knows how we're built. He knows the, 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 how we function in such a way best if we do what he says. And stuff that harms us always offends him, and anything that offends God is on the bad list. So we want to watch out for that. Okay. That, why don't you, would you take a pen and just list some sinful pleasures that you are tempted by? And if you're willing, share one of them at your table, if you're willing. And you can write really small or in Greek or in Hebrew uh, or in ancient Egyptian hieroglyphics so that nobody sees it. But if you are willing then to share one and then pray for each other momentarily. Can you do that? People a lot of times complain about the church not being real. We're being real here today, folks. Let's talk about spiritual pleasures momentarily, can we? spiritual pleasures. I wanted to remind you that pleasure is not the complete anti-pleasure is not an anti-God attitude. God is in, he believes in pleasure. He gave us the capacity to experience pleasure. He's not against it. He's not biting his fingernails going, oh, they're having fun down there. He's, he's, he's a, he's a, he can be a fun God and loves to, uh, uh, for his children to experience pleasure. I mean, he gave us taste buds. He gave us the capacity to experience color and beauty and the appreciation of sexual union. I mean, he gave us these capacities for pleasure because he, he's not intimidated by it in the least. Our greatest pleasure is the pleasure of pleasing God. And it gave God pleasure to make us in such a way as to give the, us the pleasure of pleasing him. And our greatest capacity for pleasure is to somehow lock into God's creative design uh, for us to experience pleasure in, in His presence. And uh, so Psalm 37, could we read this, uh, these two verses? Will you read them with me, please? Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. Be delighted in Him. Enjoy Him. Have pleasure in God, and He will then fuse His desires into your heart so that you'll have His desires. But it all started with you delighting and enjoying the Lord and being delighted with God and appreciating Him in the way that He really is. And then Psalm 16, let's, <clears throat> let's read these verses as well. You ready? One, two, three. Lord, you have assigned me my portion and my cup. You have made my lot secure. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. The boundary lines, 
the bound, in other words, he's, he's like, he's, it's like, it's like the psalmist is looking at his property and he's, uh, it, and he's going, wow, look what God gave me this property. There are boundary lines. Somebody say, amen. There are boundary lines. You don't get it all. You get your line. You get your piece of property. So there are boundary lines. And oh, I'm enjoying these. They've fallen in what kind of places? Pleasant places. And so there are boundary lines. But those boundary lines are only to designate what God says are for our pleasure for us to enjoy. And so they've fallen in pleasant places because God wants us to be pleased with his Boundaries. It's not all, all arduous and suffering. There is a beauty in holiness. Look at the verse 11 from the same psalm. Let's read that one. You ready? One, two, three, go. You have made known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence with eternal pleasures at your right hand. Joy in your presence, eternal pleasures at your right hand. Eternal pleasures. That's what we're weighing. Eternal versus temporal pleasures. And uh, where are they? In his presence at his right hand. Okay. You want to just write down a few things that uh, you consider to be spiritual pleasures in your life? Things that you do that give you pleasure in your spirit? And if you're willing, share one of them with people at your table. Write down a list of things that you consider to be spiritual pleasures and then share one of them with people at your table. You ready? The first reference in the Bible for pleasure, the first time the word pleasure is mentioned in the Bible, it's um, in Genesis 18.12. I didn't write it down for you, but here's how it goes. So Sarah, you tell me the context. So Sarah, in Genesis 18.12, Sarah laughed to herself as she thought, quote, After I'm worn out and my master is old and now I have this pleasure, have a baby. Have a baby. Now, uh, when I call that a simple pleasure, ladies, I don't mean the actual uh, birth experience. I'm not talking about the experience of the labor. Ladies, trust me, I'm not. I'm talking about the results of that laborious experience and the most wonderful thing in all of life, one of, I mean, just one of the most absolutely wonderful things is to see your child for the first time and to be uh, a parent. It's just a beautiful experience. It's simple. When I say simple, I don't mean it's easy. I mean it doesn't take getting on a plane and going halfway across the world. It doesn't take any neon. I, I am concerned about the adrenaline junkies that we're raising today. You know you can become addicted to adrenaline. Uh, adrenaline has a, uh, it, it gives you a sense of well-being. gives you a sense of power. And you can become addicted to adrenaline. Um, and we have, a, I think we have a culture that where there's a need for a thrill, a constant stimulation. You can buy video games in packs now. Uh, they call it the adrenaline pack. And every one of those games is guaranteed to adrenalize you. They say that, guaranteed to adrenalize you. What do you do for fun? What do you do for fun? Does it cost a lot of money? Does it require a lot of stimulation? 
Does it, do you need to have a lot of bright lights and glitz? I just wanted to put a plug in for God and his uh, creation giving us the ability to have pleasure. You know, video game, sunset. Video game, sunset. How many of you think we could stand to have a greater appreciation for the simple things in life? Could we not stand to have an appreciation for taking a walk? Doesn't cost you anything but to get you off your couch, to go out and look, maybe listen to the birds sing a little bit, watch a sunrise, take a walk on the beach. Let me, let, me, uh, let me give you four little scenarios real quick here. First of all, you're walking on the beach. You're, okay, this is, this is uh, it's got to be men, okay? This is for the men, a man. You're walking on the beach. Beautiful day, walking on Manresa Beach. Beautiful, and, and the tide is just right, so it's flat. It's not one of these, but it's one of these. And, you're, and it's a beautiful day. What is that? Simple pleasure. You're inspired out of that simple pleasure experience to interact with God. So you start a conversation with God. What are you having? Spiritual pleasure. You're walking along and there is a, I don't know, if, would you call this a gaggle? Or a, let's call it a gaggle of supermodels sunbathing. Uh, so that's a gaggle, I think. And now you've stopped the men. You've stopped the walk and started to... Gawk. Sinful pleasure. Simple, spiritual, sinful pleasure. Let me give you another one because this would include both genders. You're a musician. You've just bought a new uh, album and you take it home and you sit down and you open the, the cover with the words and you're just, you're listening and you're appreciating this simple pleasure. Didn't cost you $500, didn't have to go across the planet. There's no glitz or glam. Just you're just listening to music. You're enjoying it. Simple pleasure. While you are, you are, I don't know, it's one of the, the melodies, one of the words, not necessarily Christian uh, artists, but you're just inspired to say, God, thank you for music. Thank you for this music. Thank you for the sensory, pleasurable experience. That, you know, you're just interacting with God, spiritual pleasure. And while you're sitting there, then you start to go, you're a musician, remember. I could do better than this. In fact, these guys do not deserve their fame or their money. In fact, they're a bunch of punks. And I wish and I hope that the world sees what kind of phony, below, you know, sinful pleasure. <laughs> sinful pleasure. Went from spiritual to sinful very quickly. You, those of you who are athletes and you've, you're going to run, you're running, you've been training for the marathon, 26 mile, uh, you're, you're, you're training for a marathon and you're in the marathon and it's a beautiful day and you're on mile 10, you've got the euphoria going, your endorphins are flowing, simple pleasure, not easy to run a marathon, but simple, it didn't take a lot of glitz and glamour and adrenaline, you got into the deal, you're running mile 10, simple pleasure. You're running along and you're just enjoying the day, saying, God, you know, I just dig this life. This is such a cool thing that I have the ability. Not everybody can run 26 miles. And I am just stoked. You're start maybe even having a little bit of a conversation. Because, you know, 26 miles takes a while, especially if you run like I do. So you're, you're going to be there a while. And some stuff goes through your mind about God. You're getting closer to God somehow. Spiritual pleasure. A guy runs past you that's been trash-talking you all day long. And so he starts to pass you or she starts to pass you and you're running along and boop, 
put your foot out, trip them, just for the pleasure of tripping them and for the pleasure of beating them in the rate, because now they're all, now you, get, you keep going, sinful pleasure. It was pleasurable to trip them, but it wasn't, it wasn't spiritual and it wasn't simple. One last one. You're an avid Bible student. You just love studying the Bible. You love studying the things of God. You, you're a major reader. You're always looking for the latest and greatest theology, systematic theology book. And you found a great theology book. And you take it home, and, or you go to a coffee shop, and you open it, open it up, and, and you start to read. Simple pleasure, just reading this book. You're enjoying reading this stuff about God. And as you are, you're getting closer to God because it's accurately depicting the way that God is from Scripture and you're feeling like you're getting to know God better and having a better relationship with Him through reading this book and you're learning stuff, spiritual pleasure. But so then what you do is you, you start writing this stuff down and memorizing the big words and so then you carry the book with you wherever you are and you have it marked so that you can impress your friends with your great theological knowledge and, and have an opportunity to maybe teach a class and impress them with your great theological knowledge and be, you know, the, the most pedantic, good word, huh? Pedantic person in the room about spiritual things. Sinful pleasure. You feel good about it. You love it. How's your life going? Great. I'm impressing all my friends. Sinful pleasure. See how that works? See, when your spirit is empty, all your energy goes into uh, caring for and trying to pleasure the outer man. But when your spirit is full, it doesn't take so much to experience pleasure. I'd like you to think about that. When your spirit is full of God, I don't think it takes so much to experience pleasure. And I'm concerned for us as the people of God, as some of the people of God in the world, that we have fallen prey to the world's idea of the way to have pleasure. I think when your spirit is full, you don't need so much adrenaline. You don't need so much glitz. You don't need so much glamour. You don't need so much money to have a good time. We, we have a beautiful world that we live in, and it's simple to enjoy it and to appreciate it. Would you just write down a couple of uh, simple pleasures and share them with somebody around you there? And just talk about simple pleasures. This will be your conclusion. Thanks for being here. God bless you. Have a lovely day. Mary.